0: Trust in you. Please do not let me be humiliated. Do not let my enemies triumphally rejoice over me. Certainly, none who rely on you will be humiliated. Those who deal in treachery will be thwarted and humiliated. Make me understand your ways, O oh Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me into your truth and teach me, for you are the God who delivers me. On you I rely all day long. Remember your compassion and faithful deeds O Lord you have always acted in this manner do not hold against me the sins of my youth or my rebellious acts because you are faithful to me extend to me the your favor O Lord according to your faithfulness remember me the sake of your goodness O Lord the Lord is both kind and fair that is the, why He teaches sinners the right way to live. May He show the humble what is right. May He teach the humble His way. The Lord always proves faithful and reliable to those who follow the demands of His covenant. For the sake of your reputation, O Lord, forgive my sin because it is great. The Lord shows His faithful followers the way they should live. They experience His favor. Their descendants inherit the land. The Lord's loyal followers receive His guidance and He reveals His covenantal demands to them. I continually look to the Lord for help. For He will free my feet from the enemies in heaven. Turn toward us and have mercy on us. And we're dealing with loneliness or dealing with oppression, deliver us In our distress, rescue us from any suffering. See the pain and suffering. Forgive all our sins. Watch our enemies, for they outnumber us. They hate us, and they want to harm us. Protect us and deliver us. Please do not let us be humiliated. I take my shelter in you. integrity and godliness protect us, for I rely on you. O oh God, rescue Israel from all her distress. Amen.
1: My name will go. Step out, step out, step out, step out. wonderful name yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Comforter, healer, deliverer mm, Breaker of death, breaker of bonds Breaker of chains Love is deep as an ocean Actually, it's like a drop in the bucket of your love And I want to die, and I want to fall in, and be dragged down, darn, deep in the bottom. Praise the Lord, and oh my soul, and all that's within me, give him due justice. Praise the Lord, and oh my soul. Dances around, spinning violently like a top. Thinking about, thinking about how we believe, how we finally start to believe him when he says, "You are my children," and he rejoices. Oh, and he rejoices. Rejoice with Him Yeah. piercing through all the darkness, seeing through everything, the judgment, the judgment of God, oh, I stand there and exposed, oh, I stand in trust of your grace, oh, it's not a commandment, but it's a gift, and I put it on, I put it on, yeah. put it on, yeah. like a mighty wall. It's the shepherd the good shepherd come on come on to the mouth of the lion yes. to the mouth of the lion yes. oh he's a warrior he's a warrior oh.
0: will say how is the dead raised what kind of body will they come what you sow will not come to life unless it dies what you sow is not the body that is to be but a bare seed perhaps a weed or something else but God he gives it a body just as he's planned And to each of the seeds, a body of its own. And all flesh is not the same. People have one flesh. Animals have another. Birds and fish another. These are the heavenly bodies and the earthly bodies. The glory of the heavenly body is one sort. And the earthly another. There's the glory of the sun. Another glory of the moon. Another glory of the stars. For every star differs in glory and it is the same with the resurrection of the dead what is so perishable what is so is perishable and what is raised is imperishable and what is sown in dishonor is raised in glory What is sown in weakness Is raised in power And what is sown in natural body Is raised A spiritual body The infusion of the Lord is upon us No longer I No longer I Christ in me. raise Breeze with a new body. This is a moment of infusion. The infusion of the life of God. John chapter 3 verse 1, see what sort of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called His children, and indeed we are, and indeed we are, and indeed we
2: are,
0: does not know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. Not entertaining unto this, but we are now the children of God. not yet been revealed and we know that whenever it is revealed hey the revelation has come we know that when the revelation comes we will yes, sir. be yeah. like him we will see here
1: And no no enemy could ever take us. We're standing on His revelation. No enemy could ever take us. We're standing on His revelation. And his children, He delights. He delights in His children. Oh, and mm-hmm. 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 upon the rock revelation, we're dancing. Our hearts are lifted. Jump over the oceans, oh, catch the clouds, and sing with the sun. Oh, thank you, Lord. Upon the rock. The word, the word, the word of truth.
2: He is not, he is not a
1: man that he would lie. I'm standing on the truth and way and life. And Jesus and the blood
2: and the Christ are risen
1: in me. The son and the daughter of whom he denied. Daughter of whom he denies. Oh, the son and the daughter of whom he denies. Oh, I'm standing on the brakes of God. Love upon the rock. Revelation. And we're dancing now. We're dancing now. No wind of me could ever shake up. We're dancing now praises praises And Father, let him flow, let him flow, let him flow, don't stop, keep pressing in, pressing in, oh, open wide the gates of my heart, and let it come out, all you create. Let my belly ring bring forth, rivers of living water. Oh, oh, that you may that you may, Oh, let it flow over, let it flow over. Let it flow over, let it flow, flow, flow over. Overflow, overflow the banks. Let it flow over, let it flow over. Let it flow the banks, the banks. of the revelation. Yeah. We're dancing now. No enemy could ever shake us. Oh. We're dancing now. Oh. oh, the rock of revelation. Oh, the rock of revelation, not hewn with man's hand. The rock of Revelation
0: of God really to flow through the room and then uh, Gus Pickery like <clears throat> said the same thing and then we began to move into uh, the uh, the very wind of God moving. And Stephen and I we met after the event he was speaking to me about you know the source of life that was coming out of the fire that was burning in the in the bush uh, of Moses' bush and you know that to have a fire, you have to have a source material. You need a, you need an oxygen, and you need a spark. And and as we were talking, and and Stephen often will frame a question, you know, within his speech, and it's really amazing when we get together. He's framing a question. He's like, so when the Lord begins to blow on something, or the wind of God begins to come, what is the very source of the flame? Um, because as we know, in Moses' burning bush, where the call was there to deliver a nation, for a, um, for a people to be, uh, to be completely delivered out of captivity, God represents in such a way that, that the source is himself. He's, he's the very fire himself, causing the very wind himself, and the spark is all originating with him. And not in some material way, the bush itself. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me while we were talking. He said, this is why I've, I've longed in a way when it comes to a burning heart, that the burning heart that I'm looking for involves something of anonymity of your own self. I don't, not annihilation. And and not that our own self isn't there, but that the, the self had gone in, in in a way and wanted to burn But burn for itself instead of the Lord. And so the Lord's work that he's been doing in so many of us for so many years is to actually bring us to the true destiny of the what, of who we really are that he framed us to be from the foundation of the earth. And so everything, even before time again, but everything that's been working in our life was to get the false self. Removed. And so there's been a fire for the removal of the false self, but there's a place in the Lord. There's a place in the Lord where the false self, or what people have called the shadow self, Carl Jung called it that, the shadow dimension of the self, yeah. is uh, taken away by the authorization of the Lord over periods of, of, of the time that we've been through something. wine. Because in the place of this anonymity of the false self, the removal of the false self, the Lord can breathe upon the true uh, self that He made you to be, the true persona. And and in this word quiddity, and it, it happens in our event. Quiddity means this, and it means whatness. Um, but if if you look deeper into it, it's. The scholastic usage is designating a thing's essence, the very um, essence uh, taking uh, from the, precisely from the capacity to inform the uh, intellect intellect with this question, the answer to a question, and the question is, what is it? So when we're looking at uh, quiddity here, and, and I, I went down further, and St. Thomas Aquinas said this, he takes Aristotle's phrase and he says this, the what was to be. And quiddity essentially means the what was to be. And so it's not in a sense just essence because there's been an idea of essence about who we are, what we are, but this is the what was to be. And so he goes on, he says, he defines the form that is convertible with essence and quiddity as the complete essential determination of a thing. (laughs) And the the Lord during the last event we had is He's He's longing to bring up people to the whatness of what was to be. Meaning that he knows outside of space-time who you are and I am. He knows exactly who he made us to be. And the what of who we are, the who of what of who we are and the why of why we even exist. He knows what it is. And I think that many of us have been trying to fulfill this I mean we all know we've been down our damaged paths and everything everybody trying to take and figure out the essence of who we are and then bring that essence out into life and you know for some of us it's got us in trouble Uh, for some of us it's caused us to retreat into isolation for some we've been like I'm going to be whatever it is and it's awkward it's very awkward and the thing is, in the, because the Lord speaking to me right at the beginning of this word he's like, there's a transfer of power. And I said, what do you mean? He said, no, I'm transferring the government. And I said, okay. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you can look at Corinthians 15 to understand it at, at an individual place. I'm also going to transfer a government at a national level and an international level. There's a transfer of government. <clears throat> but Essentially, here it is. It's the whatness of what was to be. And I think all of us know, know this. And he said, tell them to give them an infusion of my very own life into them. So the Word, when he planted the indestructible seed in you, is working to manifest itself in the what and what was to be and what is forthcoming. The most powerful work that the world will ever do on the earth is when there's an agreement, Keep keeps sharing this with me all the time. where there's an agreement with what I see or say about you and the way you are actually living your life in the earth. And for many of us, there seems to be this big disparity between the age to come and now. What's going on in these events and will be ongoing is the Lord is decreasing the gap When we trust Him and we believe who and what He is saying we are. When you take that identity, it actually pleases the Father to this extent that the fire and the wind that we are longing for to be breathed on is in that place of agreement because He cannot breathe on something other than that which is made to be. He'll breathe on the one you a disagreement with what he says about you. And so, no, no longer isolation, no longer awkwardness, but a true revelation. So when the Holy Spirit, and now, because he's like, I want to minister to them, and I'm gonna give you this opportunity, because he's just like, I want to do this. Asking me to go into uncomfortable places, right? Asking you for trusting, for the unpacking of the what, what was to be. Was in a sense of past tense, but really present tense was to be in the age that is to come. I'm going to interact there, and I'm going to believe from there. And everything that is trying to knock us out of the what was to be. We are going to have to put it into question. Yeah. this is where the fire of the Lord will breathe on an end-time generation. This is where the wind of God is. It's in that agreement. He can't breathe on a false self because it'll be consumed. He would consume us. He can only breathe on that which he has made and created to be, the what was to be. And so in a deep way for many of us we're going to have to reject some things that maybe we thought conventional matters and let's just go rogue yeah. Yeah. let's go full unconventional not for unconventionality sake but according to the word of the Lord over your life that the, the true ontological sinner is in full union with the Father there's no disconnect this is the end time this is the end time lover this is the end time work of the Lord it is that agreement this is what brings uh, praise and glory to what the Lord paid for at the cross and will bring praise and glory to the Father his sons and daughters fully alive fully alive with the revelation, this revelation of Jesus broke down all these subconscious barriers. The wind of God. Ooh, I want to be infused with the Lord. Yeah. So yeah. this infusion of wash through um, is a is like it's coming from another you know another realm is coming through your being. Um, so if, if if you want to interact with this, you can come forward. I'm not saying you have to, but if you want to interact, and um, you can interact in your seats too. I'm not telling you how to, but it's just like um, it's like a starlight, star starlight, star, star, star bright, um, a star light coming through us uh, to shine. Um, Daniel 12 and um. The, the, The stars, subconscious barrier, subconscious entrapment, subconscious metaphysics things that are trying to convolute my mind and my understanding I was made for you, I was made for you There's a wind, there's a wind, there's a fire
1: My, constant, my king and brother, my home is ever where your heart is, my my constant, my key and brother. my smile
0: Lord is revealing his inner parts yeah. for the great unveiling. Yes. That ministry that produced death, carved in letters on stone tablets, came with glory so that the Israelites could not keep their eyes fixed on the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, a glory that was made ineffective. How much more glorious! will the ministry of the Spirit be? If there was glory in the ministry that produced condemnation, how much more does the ministry, how much more does the ministry that produces righteousness
2: excel
0: in glory? For indeed, what had been glorious now has no glory because of the tremendous... Greater glory that has replaced it. For it was made ineffective, came with glory. But how much more has what remains come in glory? How much greater is that which remains? Much greater. What was Stephen seen. The unveiling, the unpacking, the glory, yeah. the very seed of Christ in you. The whole unveiling, the whole unpacking is inside, waiting to just be revealed. The Holy Spirit told me, he said, this has been the greatest work of your enemy. Your enemy to seek to get you not to believe and to externalize everything when I placed everything inside of you for this great unveiling. And to believe that that I would not remain to get you to doubt. What the Lord has done in you is forever done. It's done. And all this externalization of everything, the eternal God is living inside of you. waiting to be revealed. This is the third temple. Christ in you. Therefore, he says, since we have such a hope, I want your behavior to be like this I want you to be bold he said behave with boldness not intimidation not with timid nature boldness boldness with full access into the age to come boldness of son and daughter Lord boldness not afraid First of all, Karen wanted me to extend my uh, thanks to all of you that uh, doing her in this um, It really means a lot to her as, and the loss of her brother. She's in Charlotte right now and then will probably we'll have her funeral this coming Saturday. But she just wanted me to express my thanks to you for your kind words and your love towards her. It really means a lot. shes I've never seen her parents cry before since I've known them. And they're just, they're just heartbroken. Her, I don't know if you know, but her, her brother Lucas uh, James Hustler passed away this week uh, in his sleep. He's uh, 31 years old, and uh, his wife Annabeth, and uh, they have a son, uh, Drew, and found out also that she's pregnant. So that she's four weeks pregnant. and the Babies do uh, this this, uh, this this coming August. Thank you for your prayers and uh, towards her. She's she's really heartbroken. Right? And I've not seen her cry like that really ever before. It's, it's that yelling kind of cry, pain, you know, this pain. She's loved to him for you know for uh, her baby brother. Thank you. I I wanted to pick up uh, today and with this kind of thought. Today's the 31st, as you know, is the last day this year. Uh, when I was up there, and this happened through something that Karen Maine had sent me, uh, that we are transitioning from a place of divine reversal um, into this new year. Uh, something she had said, and I'm going to read this to you, uh, divine recovery. And so there's, there's a transition. I want to talk a little bit about a transition that Mark today a divine reversal into divine recovery, uh, she had a she had a dream. She says, "Powerful." It was December the 17th. There was a large group setting in, in an auditorium. Uh, Carol was speaking. He has a cube. Um, it's large in his hands. He's going around the audience, showing it to, and it has two eagle feet with claws and the cube. She says that they they, they were polished flat. And um, he's showing the men. He stops on the road behind me, saying something, explaining what it is. I say, "It's the year of divine recovery." And Rob said he didn't understand me. And it's the year of divine recovery. And uh, Carol walks up to the front, chuckling, and says, "This is the year of divine recovery." And and she says she ends up standing up in her chair. <laughs> Um, well, when she had sent that, the Holy Spirit had said to me, I'm going to move from a place of reversal, like a reversal pattern, divine reversal pattern into a recovery pattern. And I, I remember some notes that I had this year. They were earlier on in the year in January of last year. Where the, and they come from our events out of the previous year. The Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I want to read you some of this. Uh, concerning divine reversal so there'd be a context for uh, recovery. And so the reversal is a pattern of heads that will be cast down and heads lifted up. Again, you heard me, on, heard me just a minute ago. When I got up to the front, the Lord said, is the time for taking the reins? There's a transition of government, a governmental shift happening, you know, today. of The words. And hopefully, I can give some explanation of this. If not, you know, it'll unfold as we unpack together as a team. But there's in the reversal, the pattern of heads are cast down in the bond reversal for the purpose of heads being lifted up. It's a declaration of the Lord. that the world's mountain fate is being flattened into a plane. And you can see this in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7, when Zerubbabel is bringing forth uh, the capstone. Immediately adding a victorious announcement, you will bring forth the capstone, remember with what? Grace, Shouts grace. of grace, grace. And the writer of this writes that, and some of this, this will matter to you that are. Understand mythology, or that the uh, Esagilia Olympus will fall. And I don't know if you're familiar with Olympus, or it's, it's the place of the gods, where the, the gods had come and mythologically and set up their own government. Yeah. Some believe, and I believe that scripture can bring this out, that when Adam gave up his right in the garden and that he lost. The Earth to Satan and his minions, and they took up positions of authority, and they set up a governmental center. And you know, Romans and Greeks, and they end up—I'm not sure which one—they end up calling it Olympus. And they, they, it, it basically is like a consortium of demonic powers on a global scale, in contradiction to the Lord's divine counsel. And so you have this end-time, if you want to call it, war. A war that's already been won because of our victor. And so part of this succession or transition of government, and the only way for me to basically describe it is, is, it's more Solomonic than it is Davidic. Because the Lord had said to me, my desire has been to put a a Davidic heart like David had into Solomon's body. That, That he wanted Solomon to have the heart that his daddy had, But giving the wisdom, the wisdom that Solomon had, and that this move of the Lord would be one of peace. And of course, there's been a war in the earth with Davidic. uh, The Davidic model is war, and that's you know it's war, and it was a mindset that many in the body of Christ have been into. But in the transition of government, it will transition over through a succession from a, a Davidic. Part though installed into a Solomonic body for the spreading of the seed of Christ, um, and um, you know I've got some podcasts on this, and we we did this last year and, and went into this extensively, but I just really am prophesying that this transition is upon us, and so and I, and I'm familiar with even this morning there's words coming out that. The body of Christ is going into a war and there may be a component of God's people that are going in that, but I, I want to declare that I believe from the Holy Spirit that many that have been in this, let's say, the Holy Spirit has been working with in regards to tabernacles that the war is not so much our mode as it will be peace. And I don't mean a, a peace like the world. I mean the Prince of Peace reigning in us. And so that because of the war that we've been all going through for years. And y'all know what I mean, right? The war to believe, the war for transition the war the war even with the Lord, because of him seeking a, a place to rest inside of his people, the war with us that the Lord's been doing and working that, and and so being on I believe being in the front lines of this, that the succession is Already being enacted, even as of today, that the word is sought a succession, and he's seeking a Solomonic peace-based body to express seed through to the nations, and um, and so and I'm, I'll get more into this um, a little bit today, and then and then our transition, and so um, he goes on to say, so Olympus will fall, and the true. Har the Har means like the Mount of Assembly. I believe of the Lord's Anointed will lift up His head, and so there's this there's this global uh, thing going on where Olympus uh, and the War of the Gods, and and you could call that idea the New World Order if you want to. Well, let's just call it that. the New World Order and a Melchizedek Order, and that God is raising up His order while on a global scale there's a, a New World Order thing coming off the ground. The Lord already declaring through a people that uh, I'm moving for a divine recovery for my people in the middle of, let's say, a war. Okay? In the middle of, a, of that, that happening, the Lord is moving to recover His people, to prepare a people for Himself. And so our focus... I believe, and you have to watch this because our enemy will play us into a mindset to get us distracted off the one, mm-hmm. off the Lord, and his movement of succession in regards to a peaceful transition because the Lord's gonna tra- he's transitioning the earth over yeah. uh, through a people who are at rest and that he's found a place to rest in them. Isaiah sixteen five says, Then a king a monarch and his throne will be established in Hesed. Or another way we say this in our language is loving kindness. And so when the Lord begins to set up his Solomonic body, his rule of government within his people, his primarily primary way of establishing it is through Hesed or loving kindness. And my mother called me this week this last week, says, you know, I've never really put those two words together. They're just phenomenal. You know, we think of kindness and love maybe separate, but when you think of Hesed, you think of and that it also said it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so this is the very nature of the type of leadership that I believe uh, the Lord exhibits based in the text. He exhibits a leadership of loving kindness. You'll find this gentle nature of God that is wanting to rest in us. Jonathan Edwards said one of the greatest marks of the awakening in his day was that the people had a gentle, dove-like spirit. That was the way they described uh, the move of God in the revival or the awakening was this gentleness came on them. And and so this gentleness, this not unease, not anxiety, but a restfulness comes into Uh, the Lord's people. When I first began this journey with the Lord, well, in 08 of Him raising up His work, He said to me this phrase, the Holy Spirit said to me, Sovereignty rests in the individual at the point the individual rests in the sovereign. It's a a sovereignty rests in the individual at the point the individual rests in the sovereign. And so sovereign action or true government is in rest, and it gets at what we were experiencing today. The Lord brings us into greater rest and belief and trust in Him uh, together. The reversal in the, is according to the reversal is according to His loving kindness. He says in sixteen five, He will rule in a trustworthy manner. And so, notice that the type this type of government is credible. It is given over to full integrity. It is credibility personified. And um, as you know, if the Holy Spirit's dealt with you and He has, the Lord is passionate about integrity and credibility. Because loving kindness has to be married to truth. It has to be married to uh, honesty. And so the Lord is very much a... About His people being a people of integrity. And as you know, when credibility is not there in regards to leadership and the pain that it brings, or in regards to any of us for that matter, when credibility and our, our word is not our bond and that we're not honest or we're not keeping our word, it hinders the manner of rule in our life. And so this is also a place where the Lord must so rest among the people and bring us to real truth, um, to bring us to integrity. He says this one is from the Davidic dynasty. And I, I like this too because the Lord is a, you know, this is a the, theocratic reign. This is not democratic. This is not a democratic republic. This is a dynastic rule. And so there's succession involved in that. Uh, in His people. And so in regards to us that are His, the seed of Christ has been given to us, and so there's a succession through us. And so the Lord isn't saying this is a democratic republic. He's not saying it's a nationalist, socialist government. He's not calling it communism. He's saying it's a dynasty. And so let's be clear about that, that sharing this with me yesterday, this Christology is meant to lead to a Christocracy. It's a Christ at the center of governmental rule within my people. A people who are governed by the very nature of Christ in us. It's a Christology leading to a Christocracy, meaning a government that is built out of Christ. Um, and so that is the center of the government is Christ, is, is Christ, and the head of that government is the Lord, Jesus he says He will make just decisions and will be experienced in executing justice. So, um, the saints will praise God as the one who lifts up their head horn. It says in Samuel, 1 Samuel 2, um, I believe Hannah speaking, My horn is exalted in the Lord. You, O Lord, are the lifter of my head. Psalms 3. You, O oh Lord, lifted up my horn like that of a unicorn. Psalms 92.10 God is also praised as the one who exalts the head of His Messiah. The Lord will give strength to His King. He'll lift up the horn of His anointed. 1 Samuel 2.10 and, and this also in Psalms eighty nine seventeen eighteen. 18 Psalms 110 celebrates this eschatological event. A head, the Messiah's head is exalted in victory. And whether we understand the subject of the action of Yahweh, the swear of the oath or Messiah himself, David's Lord, the recipient of the sworn appointment is a priest king forever. In Psalms one ten four. 4. And everything, it is the Lord who is having his head lifted up. So the full pattern of this great reversal, the Lord Is striking down in his wrath against the nation. Psalms one ten six is the precursor of the lifting up his own head. Psalms one ten seven it says, and he shall drink by the brook in the way, and therefore he shall lift up his head. This theme of reversal is for the entire cosmos. God will keep his faithful ones, but he will cut off the wicked. No might can save men from God's justice. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth and He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. In Hannah's praise, God's redemptive reversal culminates in the exaltation of an anointed king. Literally, the Messiah or the Mashiach. The capstone of God's work in bringing Hannah's personal reversal. Now, I really like what he writes here is and, and maybe if you take notes, because there's three ways in which this is going to happen, then there's a personal reversal in, this, in the nature of recovering for our families and us as people. But, and this gets in a larger picture, there's also Israel's national reversal. And I believe that that involves both the corporate houses of the Lord that are given over to the Lord, but also uh, national Israel. If the Lord will bring about a great national reversal, especially at the end of this age, in the seven years of tribulation, there's going to be a massive national reversal concerning Israel because our king's coming to set his government down there. And then also, and something that I'm really excited about, and I'm sure you are, but it's an eschatological reversal, meaning that there's a whole in time move of the Lord where the Lord ushers in the thousand-year reign. And so this is going to involve us and involves this ministry very particularly in, in the glorification of man man's time. So there's an eschatological reversal in which God's justice and salvation are poured out on the nations and we're given a royal victory. In summation, Hannah's hymn sets Samuel's readers on a trajectory in which God will exalt the humble, and He will humble the exalted. And He proves His sovereignty and establishes anointed, His anointed King. It's no coincidence that a similar hymn closes out Samuel's book by praising the rock, which uh, Stephen sang so beautifully for us today about the rock of the Lord. 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-two, Who saves a humble people and brings down the haughty. Brevard Childs was right to point out how these two hymns act as bookends of Samuel's work. And just like the theme of reversal, forms an inclusio around Samuel's whole narrative. The tells of Davidic exaltation. So in regards to reversal, uh, as we're closing out this year, the word has been moving uh, to bring us into recovery. And so I want to give you a context for what that. Looks like, and and I think maybe what this cube is now. You, some of you listen to podcasts I've had before, let's see if remember. It's called Tesseract, and um, some I don't know if you've listened to that, but uh, I was experiencing uh, being taken up with Stephen and I worshiping together back in 2015, downtown Hendersonville, and uh, I got taken up into the second heaven. To make it a long story short. I'd, I'd never been in a second heaven that I knew about. Sort of a silvery lining opens up and the Word the tells me to tell the angels to come hold it open. And I go up into this, I don't know, like black kind of material and it's got golden light shining through it. And I see a golden ladder going up into heaven. And, you know, I proceeded. I i wanted to climb that thing. And so I went over there, got on the ladder, and uh index finger and a thumb with a cube comes down and it was, the, the thumbnail was as big as my body. It comes down this cube and places this glowing blue cube in my hand and I told the Lord I, I told the Holy Spirit I needed a Bible verse because I thought I was losing my my good sense that I had and um, he told me go to James 1 I think it was 17 or something like that every good and perfect Gift comes down from the Father of Lights, and there is no variable shadow of turning. And I said, "Oh, that's a good Bible verse." And then I said, "The Lord, I said, what is it?" He said, "It's a tesseract." And then I was like, "I need another Bible verse," because I was thinking that's something out of Marvel or something. I don't know. I, it's a tesseract. And so He tells me go to Ephesians three eighteen, and that you may comprehend what is the length, the breadth, the height, and the width of the love of God. And he said, Do you know how many dimensions that cube is? I said, No, it's a four dimensional cube. Because and this gets back to what I believe Karen Maine was saying that this cube was meant to be an access an access through uh, the second heavens, where the second heavens had has been a real it's been a real problem for a lot of people, whether you know it or not. Of uh, not translating through to the third heavens because getting stuck in the second heavens with a bunch of messes going on in there. Because I, I found there's some demons hanging out up there and found one over Europe and got an angel and he knocked him down and then it happened. And I was like, you know, I don't know about you, but you find out things about yourself and you didn't realize it had so much import. I mean, that it, you didn't know how important you were. And I was just like, little me over here with Stephen jumping up into the second heavens, and the word said, I'm gonna deal with the power over England or over Europe. And then Brexit happens. I'm like, that was the demonic power that was holding back some kind of government economics or something. And but I, I saw the power of prayer when it comes to angelic beings. I saw that angel knock that big leathery looking thing right out of the second heavens. And um, I met Michael Archangel up there. And he's, he's a really tall fellow. And, uh, you know, I have some experiences. But it's a real, like, sort of, like, sticking point. You know, on your path through the third heaven. And hanging out with the Lord. <laughs> and so I really think that this divine recovery is just like, let's just plow right on through, right? Like, let's not get hung up in the second heavens. Let's just go right on through because of fourth dimension reality through a fifth dimensional thing. I've taught that before and I know I can't do all that today. I've got so much stuff I can say. But through the fifth dimension out into the other dimensional spaces with the Lord and there he is. Now, he's pretty cool. The Lord is. Really cool. Why? Because the Lord wants to bring an open heaven that will basically Create a transformation that He can enact upon us from the celestial into our terrestrial body, so that you have the age to come present in the now. And let me say that's not necessarily that that place that place of the age to come entering into now brings with it both a it brings with it two sanctions. And we express this this year that when you enter into the age to come, into the now of of what was to be and what is now becoming, these sanctions of both a curse sanction and a blessing sanction begins to intervene into our world, and this is happening now. Uh, remember when the Lord said, "Send out the scroll uh, out of this house," and man, I tell you. When you enter into the age to come, transactions begin to happen. And it, it can be either dangerous, or if you're in it's not. It's, it's, it's a good place to hang out. But if you're a lifer, the Lord is going to come and bring purity. Well, that intrusion of God's ethic is coming into them. This is a part of the end time mood that when we believe the Lord in this divine reversal way, recovery comes. But if, if something isn't like him, it has to go. If, this is really important that we get this because many of us, I think, are trying to hold on to things, or at least I have, trying to hold on to different things uh, mindsets, concepts, conscious ways, uh, paradigms, and, and ideas. When the Lord begins to come in, he's got a whole different thing going on. It's uncharacteristic of what you can expect and it's coming into your now and it, He's saying something different and, and we don't want to resist it. And I, I'll, I'll say that for much of my time when the Word comes near, I, I've resisted Him because He comes in such a way as a lover and it's like, get away from me, Lord. And I, well, why are You coming like this in this way? And because the Lord, He can't come into a people and not begin to deal with things. He, he's got to. I believe it was Frank Dezelski who's with us today from West Virginia. It said to me this last year, as a really good word, that when the age to come intervened into Acts 2, and Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit, the very nature of God's spirit that's in Peter, that's right there in the room, living out of the age to come, transacts business right there. You have all three branches being uh, exhibited. You have the executive, the legal, and uh, excuse me, legislative and judicial branch, all uh, execute right there. You know the legislation have been broken of the kingdom. A judgment comes for this day. Your life will be required of you, and the the executive power comes and they're down for the count. So this is the very nature of what the Lord is bringing into. However, at the same time, people are bringing things to the apostles' feet and distributions are being made as blessing a whole community. And so you see in this way that there's a blessing sanction and a curse sanction when the age to come uh, begins to interact or the celestial begins to interact in the terrestrial. When when there's a cube, so to speak, that is uh, bringing transaction from heaven to earth, instantaneously. There's transformation that has to happen all around. And Jesus was a, a living, breathing model of this, and uh, you know they killed him for it. I mean, he's he's living from the reality that he is the Son of God. Yeah. He's the offspring of the Father. He believes who he is. And John thirteen tells us how he said. Jesus, knowing that He came from God and He was going back to God, girded Himself with a towel and washed the disciples' feet. Jesus knew, that, to use theological, technical words, that He was predestined and elected. He knew that He came from the Lord and He's going back to the Lord. He knew what Paul will write later on in Romans 11 that I mentioned a few weeks ago, that from Him and through Him and to Him, said He understood that as his life came from the Father. He told Philip that. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He tells the Pharisees who are coming to him. He said, you know, me, neither me nor my Father. Your Father's the devil. And now he didn't seem to mind or draw back from his position. When his guys in John 6, all these people run off and leave him. He doesn't say, hey, please come back. He says, you're going to go away too. Um, there was a confidence in he knew he was. And that same confidence as we're talking today and worshiping the Lord, that same confidence of the age to come interacting with you and me and my life is coming in and it's bringing and will bring transformation in, around us. And so um, I want to go into just a, a few of my notes for today and I won't hold us guy. Really I have to get back to Charlotte uh, with Kara's family this evening. Today's X2M162, and I think I'm going to pronounce this right, Quasidium. Uh, Quasidium is something that has sought the solution to a problem. This is this word I received from the word. It gives me these Q words right now. That is something that has sought the solution to a problem. And so I... And then I I want to just back up a little bit. The quiddity context of what happened a couple weeks ago here, and I mentioned it on the stage. Quiddity meaning that what was to be. Or something's complete essential determination of a thing. And so the Lord is saying these Q words from in, in the series that we're in right now, and they have logical meaning that leads to the next thing. And so... Pete Winokur and I talked a few weeks ago and I mentioned this, that if, with, when Adam began to name the animals in the garden, that a naming was happening there and he was looking at what these animals should be and in some way he knows how to look at their movements and their design and their experience and the way they're moving around. He's able to name them, to give them a name and that's called Taxonomy. I had to go look this up but because there's another way because the Lord said in this end time restoration what I'm seeking to do is I'm seeking that my people would know as we experience in worship again to truly know what, what they are to be. What was to be. Like almost like it was something outside in the eternal realm and I'm wanting you to discover it by faith like the unpacking and unveiling of what was to be in you. Um, it's your life journey really. And we're all on it. And in this field is called onomastics. And so instead of taxonomy, you have onomastics, which is the study or etymology history of proper naming. But this was interesting to me that onomastics is broke down into two different words. I, I wanted to, Get to this because it, it really matters in light of uh, the distinction of what matters from the Lord today in regards to this. Now, you'll have to just like really listen to me, and I'll repeat myself so this is helpful for you. But there's a word there's a word within automastics, sort of like a subword called an oethanym. That means the true name of an individual as distinguished from a pseudonym. Anybody, what's a pseudonym? A, a what? A fake, name. a fake name. And so there's a tr- there's a true name called an elethenim. And then there's another word that's, again, under automastics, you have an elethenim and you have an orthonym. And an orthonym is the real name of a person who uses a pseudonym. So there's the true name of an individual, which is an elethenim, that's not a pseudonym. And there's an orthonym, which is the real name of a person who uses a pseudonym. And within this automastics, and I, you know, I was sitting there saying, why is this important to you, Or he just kind of takes me into it. He's like, he says, because, he said, what was to be so many of my people because they have me inside, but they're living a pseudo, a pseudo name. They've allowed a pseudonym to govern them. And it's, it's the real name of a person in an, an orthonym. It's your real name, but it's also a pseudonym. So it's possible apparently to have a real name and be a pseudo person or a, 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 someone not your okay true self. I thought, this is crazy in automastics that they get down to this uh, particularity like this. Because the Lord's like, I'm looking for in my people the true men. I'm wanting to extract out the truth of who you really are. What was to be, quinnity. And I love this about the Lord because he's like, you're on a journey. A quesadium one. So we come into this, the Lord's like, you'll call this series Starfield Astrocyte. Okay. And then I get into Starfield site, And he says, okay, and then you'll call it Quake Quiversal. And I said, okay, so Quake Quiversal means it can go any direction from a point. And he's like, because I don't want some kind of fixed block mindset on the way that my people are. I want you just in one direction. I want you to be able to move in any direction at any moment and be able to transition. So he starts out with Quake Quiversal. And then he moves into Qualia. And, uh, you know, I said, okay, Qualia is sort of this idea of taking phenomenological or double connotations and beginning to observe something outside of your present experience. And then he takes qualia, and then he says, now we'll go to quidd- quiddity, what was to be. And so there's this sort of like, I'm, doing, okay, I'm not going to be limited to a box, into a component. I'm quite conversant. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. Boom! I track something. That's the Lord. He's given a double witness or a triple witness on that. Okay, I got my qualia. I'm still observing. Uh, Quia. There, there's something that. There's something. What is it? What? What was it meant to be? Crusadium is something that I'm seeking for, and it's is this idea. This neuro work that is going on because this is a part of the field of the mind interacting with the brain and the very mind of Christ. And so there's an interaction that God is speaking through this about how we interact with the very conscious nature of God in regards to, to us and a transfer of that mind of Christ in us transferring into our terrestrial self. And now you have to understand, I myself am surprised by all this because the Lord Himself is designing these events. And so I'm trying myself to keep up with what He's saying because I realize this isn't something that's coming or originates with me. This is a way that the Lord uh, apparently... I said, is it a research laboratory? And the way that He meant for man to interact with Him in the cool of the day. It's, it's an interactive field between us and the Father in relationship to uh, transfiguration and transfer of His very nature into us. And so He has a very sort of logical narrative path on how He does things. And that's what the Holy Spirit's unfolding to us. Again, Clay reversal, Qualia, the quasium. And so I he's he's saying, I'm looking, um I want you to look uh, some a solution to the problem. I want you to find out. And so now then he I believe he texts me this and then so and I brought this out in the worship too, but according to Carl Jung, uh, everything we experience that we forget is not forgotten. And I want to amend a little thing that he's saying here that it's not just not forgotten, but everything we experienced outside of space-time when we were with the Father in our essential true self is also not forgotten in our in the seed that's in us. There, there's a there's something that's meant to be unlocked and unveiled. And so in his book, Man and His Symbols Jung uh, states that when we forget something, it's not that we've lost it, but rather we suppressed it. According to Jung, the unconscious mind remembers almost everything. But to tap into unconscious memory, one must go through the shadow side or the hidden self. Now, Jung is, is picking this up. And I, you know, I was sitting, dialoguing with the Lord, and I said, this is much what I've experienced, is the Lord saying, I want you to come into some uncomfortable places while we take off the shadow self. Well, it goes on to say, not to go too deep into Jung's idea, but the shadow can be thought of the self that resides within the unconscious mind. And it has access to all our memories and often guides many of our decisions without our even being consciously knowledge of it. The shadow often controls us unconsciously, And the conscious mind often attempts to control the shadow. The point of all this is to say there seems to be a case where the shadow's main role, though, has been to avoid shame by embracing pain. The reason the conscious mind doesn't embrace the shadow is that the conscious mind is seeking to avoid pain. And so we often avoid our hidden self. And I I want to say that we often avoid, to go back to automastics, we often avoid our, um, our true self.
2: Sorry.
0: No, it's fine. It's, I think they're having a blue light special or something. Yeah. A, blue <laughs> a blue alert, yeah. <laughs> and so you can see here that, as Young is saying, that the shadow's main role is to avoid shame by embracing pain, but it goes on to say that we're often avoiding the hidden self. Likewise, shame seems to bring out the shadow and it drives us towards pain. It's like a reversal. Young seemed to lay out a theory that the resolution to this contention was to integrate the shadow with the conscious mind. To find balance between the two. I'm going to disagree with him on that. But now he's on to something in the sense, and I've amend him a little bit here. That the Lord has a celestial body, which I brought out a number of weeks ago out of Corinthians 15, and a terrestrial body. And what the Lord is wanting to be integrated is the celestial with the terrestrial. And that the shadow self is the thing of the false self, is the false name that the Lord wants extracted out of our consciousness. And if any of you have ever, and some of you have spent long years in this, living out of a false persona and identity of who you really are, And some people, they epitomize that by certain dress. They get involved in certain cultures and subcultures and things like that. And and there's so many different ways people try to represent that way and to find find an essential cell. But the point is, is, and this is something the Lord's come to release us from, is that it's amounted to pain and shame. That the Lord wants to heal um resolve to recover and that we would regain the lost memory of who we are but to do that and this is and this is necessary and some of you are doing this you must embrace and I want to say he says faith and shame and discomfort i want to say that the word is challenging us to trust him when the Holy Spirit speaks up to us to come with Him into environments or experiences that were not necessarily that aren't necessarily comfortable, um, He may call us into things. If you trust Him enough, that when He calls you into something, He brings you into an experience that He's He's calling you into that line. Well, yes, it ultimately brings Him glory, but. I, He's such a good father that he wants to open you up to your true self. And I'm, I'm sure of this uh, because he tells me this today. And I'm, I'm going to read this to you again out of 1 John 3. He tells me this uh, during the worship set. Because he wants you to be encouraged in this, profoundly encouraged to trust him. As he loves you and he's ready to unlock you. You and unveil the true person that you really are. And you know, we think that that's not God's idea, but it is. It is God's idea. A lot of people try to go bury that person. The Lord doesn't want to bury that person, He wants to um, bring forth the person that you are. See what sort of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called God's children. And indeed, we are. It, it brings me great delight as a dad, and our, you know, Hebrews 12 says this, that if our dads disciplined us with not knowing how to give us holiness, how much more would the Father grant us holiness? It brings me great delight in my own personal children, my own offspring that Karen and I have had, our six children, to watch them discover who they are and to come into their true identity. I Nothing delights me more and I'm an earthly daddy. And, and I couldn't think that I would just want my children to go through hard times and get the beat down and try, uh, you've got to pay your dues to finally get somewhere in life. I would rather my children unlock the reality of who they are right now and not have long extended seasons of hardship to find out who they are so they can live in just an overabundance of knowing this is who I am and I'm loved. I want them to know that now. Why delay it? Why the, the idea to pay your dues and this idea that that's been permeated through our culture or that you, you can never arrive at anything and it's going to take for your whole lifetime. Why? When you can enter into the age to come with the Father right now and let the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you into the unpacking and the reward of who He is inside of you. Believing that He is and He's a rewarder. It should be like this, I believe for us, it should be like Christmas year round. I can't wait to get into the next thing. All oh, like little kids. I just can't wait. And I, I personally didn't spend my, most of my life like that. But I'm starting to get like that. Almost like you can't wait to unwrap the next present. I thought, something going on? I know there is. The Father's got it. He's up to something. He's got something planned for me. I know He does. It's going to be good too. I just can't wait to get into it. And this is, I believe, more akin to the nature of, of a child that is uh, coming into the arms of the Father, um, shining and radiating in the Father, enjoying uh, the delight of that Father Uh, saying I I love you and I delight in you this is more the very nature of the rest of God in us than anything is this you know he told me I'm a frilicking frolicking father he's the triple F the frilicking frolicking father what else he said no not the frilicking the frolicking." what did he say it's the opposite word for frivolous he told me he was a frivolous frolicking father he loves and delights to give gifts, and he loves and just dote all over his children. Man, this is our Father, and any other representation other than that—well—that well, that he, he would disappoint discipline us. Why? For our own good. He's not doing it for his own good. He does it because he loves us. Okay. That we should be called his children for this reason. The world doesn't know him because it did not know him doesn't know us because he doesn't know him. We're God's children now, but listen, he says it's not yet been revealed who we shall be. Whenever it is revealed, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Think of uh, the revelation of Jesus and the Christ nature like this like just like something like he does this when when he appears before his disciples after He's uh, resurrected. He comes to them and He'll reveal another aspect of Himself. And He he has these different aspects of Himself he wants to bring revelation. But Jesus doesn't just bring revelation to us for the sake of intellectual knowledge. When the Lord reveals Himself to us, it transposes onto our character and nature. And uh, so think of revelation more like that. The revelation of Jesus Christ is a revelation... Like today is an infusion of His very own life into us. So it's the purpose of the Lord to infuse His life into us. Why? I'm asking you to trust Me so we can rid the unconscious mind of a shadow self. Why? To bring in a true, automatic reality. You know, who you are. It's the purpose of the Father in this way, and this is what he's looking for, he's looking for a resting place. This is the place that God will rest. It's on the individual and the people that have come to this agreement within them of the true identity. I during Christmas, my mother asked me, and Dad asked me to lead my family in devotion, and I get mom turn on some worship. It says, "You will know what the Lord wants you to say." And so, the Word takes me to Zechariah chapter nine, verse one. Now, to read this to you, the, the uh, Zechariah nine, I have got taken through the night on this, and this is important. An oracle of the Word of the Lord concerning the, the land of Hadrach, with its focus on Damascus, the eyes of all humanity, especially the tribes of Israel, are toward the Lord. Well, when I began to, to look at this, and I got into the notes on, it says in the translation, Damascus is its resting place. And then you go further into it, and it, it's basically, what's being said here in Zechariah 9.1 is, the word of the Lord is finding its resting place. And I thought, that's so interesting. You know, why in Damascus. You know, what does that mean? And the word promptly reminds me, the Syrian says in his heart, he's God of the mountains, but not of the valleys. Um, he's God of the celestial, but not of the terrestrial. And I started thinking, I said, oh, so the word of the Lord is seeking for a resting place. Yes, I'm, I'm seeking for a resting place where the celestial and the terrestrial become one. And I said, well, if the Syrian is saying in their heart, he's God of the mountains but not of the valley, the Lord's sort of juxtaposing it for me and saying, I'm I'm looking for a place where I can rest, where that Syrian message is not permeating the mind of a person. I'm looking for a place where celestial and terrestrial are one. Put it another way, I'm I'm looking for this automatic naming... a reality inside of a person, that's the place that I will rest. Psalms 132, David will say that I had sought for a place for the Lord in the Hebrew mechom. And he says the Lord, he'll say, I also, he goes on to say, I sought for a dwelling place. David uses three different Hebrew words for place. Mechom place, then dwelling place. And then he'll use this word, rise, O Lord, to your what? resting place, men you have. So David is making this distinction, and the Lord made this distinction to me, that I've been bringing a people to a place, and then I'll bring you to a dwelling place so that I can come to a resting place. Rise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. He started to connect this for me. And so I I started to look throughout Scripture and I was like, this resting place that you seek must be one of the greatest realities because David's cried out for this. And I, I went through the text and found 17 places in Scripture where the word menu hat was used. And I'm going to give some of this and then we'll close. I have a lot more I want to say, but we're going to run out of time. Or we are out of time. We ran out of time 30 minutes ago. Sorry. Um, 17 really like highlighted to me a lot because after 17 years on the mountain, I got off the mountain, Karen and I moved to Bright's Creek, and the Lord said, you found a place for me. He said, now, pioneer for a dwelling place. And we got to Tom and Jane's place. And she brought this up. we spent 17 months there. And I was like, and she brought the connection. I was like, 17 years, 17 months, and now 17 times in Scripture, a resting place. And I, I'm convinced that if the Lord putting such an emphasis on resting place, that He would find a resting place uh, among His people. Uh, he would watch one of the biggest global moves that there ever was. That He's been seeking for this. The Lord is seeking for a resting place. Again, Chesedium, he's looking for it. He's looking for it within us, looking for a place where he can rise and rest in mankind. He's looking for this automatic reality. He's looking for a people that will just be crazy enough or foolish enough to trust him and let all the interior boxes open up. This is what he's looking for. He's, I can rest on that. I can rest with someone who's in agreement with what I decided. I want to be in charge. But I'm not going to violate your free will. So you're going to have to allow me to be in charge of you. But I really want to be. I really want you to agree that my ways are best for you. Now I'm going to go through some of these while they're... And I want to read them to you. Because they're so important. There's 17 of them. 17 places in Scripture in the Hebrew where the word uses resting place, many you have. Genesis 49, 15. Speaking of Issachar. And when he sees a good resting place and a pleasant land, he will bend his shoulder to the burden and become a slave laborer. Numbers 10.33 So they traveled from the mountain of the Lord three days journey and the ark of the covenant of the Lord was traveling before them during the three days journey what? Looking for a resting place for them. Deuteronomy 12.9 For you have not yet come to you have not yet come to the rest the men you have to the inheritance that the Lord is giving to you. Listen, does that not sound important? He's setting the place of His rest in connection to your inheritance. I'll bring you to rest before I bring you into your inheritance. What I speak to you today from the Lord is so important because the Lord wants His people to inherit. He says, you've not even yet come if you've not come to this place of rest. In a place, I believe, of agreement of the celestial and terrestrial, I'm bringing you into agreement that you would agree with who I say that I am in you and who you are. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 9, The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. She kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. I believe that was Naomi for Ruth that she would find rest. Second Samuel fourteen seventeen and your servant thought the word of my lord the king will set me at rest for the word the king is like the angel of God to discern good and evil the Lord your God be with you First Kings eight fifty six blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he's promised. Not one word has filled of his good promise, which he spoke by Moses, his servant. 1 Chronicles 22:9. Behold, a son shall be born unto you, and he shall be a man of. We've always heard it translated peace. But Solomon here has been called a man of Menuchad. He's been called a man of rest.
2: I'll give him rest
0: from all his surrounding enemies. When you enter into rest, your enemy is taken care of. For his name shall be Solomon, and I'll give him peace and quiet in the days, all the days of Israel, to Israel in his days. I'll give this peace and quiet to Israel in his days. 1 Chronicles 28 to, Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it on my mind to build a house of rest. The house of menu hat. David had it on his mind to do this for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. So I made preparation for that building. Psalms 95 and 11. So I made a vow in my anger. They'll never enter into the menu hat that I had set aside for them, the Lord speaking. They have rejected and rebelled against uh, the word of the Lord and not trust them by faith. And we find that way to in Hebrews chapter 4. Psalms 132.8 that I already quoted, to send O Lord to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Psalms 132.14, and he said, This will be my resting place forever. Forever I will live here. For I have chosen it. I don't know if you hear he chose us forever. Forever, I chose you. Forever, let's stand together and just receive from the Lord. At that time, the root of Jesse will stand like a signal flag for the nations. The nations will look to him for guidance. His resting place, his residence, his have place, God, uh, it will be. It will be majestic. At that time, the Lord will again lift his hand and reclaim the remnant of his people. Next to him. For the nations, he's going to gather Israel's dispersed people and assemble Judah's scattered people from the four corners of the earth. Welcome to that move. Isaiah 28, 12, to whom he has said, This is rest. Give rest to the weary, and this is repose. But yet they would not hear. Isaiah thirty-two eighteen. My people will abide in peaceful habitation and secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. God's promise to us. Isaiah sixty-six one. This is what the Lord says. The heavens are my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where then is the house you'll build for me? Where is the place? where I will rest. What is He saying? You can't build it. It has to be His own design. He has to be the designer of it. He has to be the maker of it. he has, It has to be His decision on us. It can't be ours. Because you can't, we can't construct it. This is the place that He'll rest. This is the place that He designs. Jeremiah 45.3, you have said, I feel so hopeless, for the Lord added sorrow to my suffering. I'm worn out from groaning. Jeremiah says, I'm looking for any many added. I'm looking for rest. Zechariah 9:1, back to the original word, the last one in the Hebrew Bible, the one he takes me to at Christmas. An oracle of the word of the Lord concerning the land of Hadrach. This focus on Damascus, the eyes of the Lord are on the the eyes of all humanity, especially the tribes of Israel, are to the Lord. Here, Here it is. The word of the Lord is looking for a place to rest. It's the word of the Lord for this hour. It's the word of the Lord for this move of God in this end time generation. It's an agreement that we enter into with him today. Forever. I agree with your design, Father. I agree with who you've made me to be. And when the Holy Spirit comes to you and he speaks to you and he says, Trust me. Come this way with me. It doesn't make sense. Come this way so we can unpack the essential, the essence of who you really are. Because in that place is where I can come and rest. I can come and rest on you. It's the place of full agreement where the terrestrial and celestial become one. It's the greatest place of the transmission of God's energy and life is through us as his people. It's the place of transfiguration that will lead to the glorification of the man. This is great agreement. Trust you, Lord. It's a place where the very wind of God can fuel the flame of fire.
2: This
0: is a place where. Everything is made new. It's the place where everything is new. It's the place of real perspective. It's the place of seeing the kingdom. It's the place of really being known for who we really are, the essential. So who we really are. It's the place, most importantly, where Jesus is magnified. And where the soul magnifies the Lord. Magnifies God, our Creator. Because the trueness of the worship of the Lord, the the greatness of His name is, is magnified and lifted up. It's where real holiness is and real life expansion is. This next year for you, I'll proclaim over you Divine recovery. I proclaim over you and your families full recovery. Uh, everything that's been lost. Out of a reality like this. A full recovery
2: from the Lord.
0: You believe, you trust him, you make him your only your one. He's everlasting living inside of you, unpacking them. All the beauty of who He's made you to be. The great glory of our King is glorified in this way. You knowing how much He delights in you and loves you. You can take a deep breath and you don't have to be anxious and afraid anymore. You don't have to be in fear and you don't have to be protecting and in denial. You can just rest in the peace of the Lord has come to you. Several the reversals have been enacted, and the recovery is is the word of the Lord. we us uh, come together for uh, communion while they play and sing, and, and we'll take it together as a family. Here's my agenda.
1: Wow. <laughs> you remind me. My fear. only
2: for a I to come back Here's my stance
1: Crush you into a.
0: right now to our conscious reality some of the things have been really painful for us um, but, but also in the, at the same time while the Holy Spirit's bringing healing to your minds and your experiences in your heart just know like with joy that he's delighting over you like he's real excited about this more than we've ever been excited about he's so excited about you he really is. He's very excited that you trust him. Uh, may he rejoices over you in your life and he made you to be. I believe it's for this reason he took the bread and broke it. He said, This is my body which is given for you. Uh, Jesus in remembrance of me. said this is the blood. This is the blood that is poured out. It's poured out for you. It's a new covenantal so blood. Because I make everything new. Do this in remembrance of Face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord write his name on your forehead. And be of peace. Question.